You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 103. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, this week, I am headed to Chicago for a quick, fun work and friend trip. So you can follow me on Instagram at Jess C as in Chicago Lively if you want to follow along. And of course, for those in Michigan, I am sorry that it has taken me so long to get to our Michigan meetup. The Michigan meetup will be November 11th at 7 p.m. If you'd like to join us, we're not sure exactly where the location will be just yet. We're waiting for the RSVP list to get that total headcount in order to create a reservation if needed at a restaurant or a coffee shop in Ann Arbor. But just let us know, emailing l at jess at jesslively.com to RSVP. Elle's going to be taking everybody's information and reaching out to you guys once we're ready to get going. I hope you can meet up if you're in Michigan. It'd be awesome to say hello and hang out. Now let's move on to today's episode. Today we are speaking with Anna Gardner of Viviana Does Makeup. I'm obsessed with Anna. You've heard me talk about her on my monthly favorite videos. You may have been following her YouTube channel as well. Just like myself, she has a very popular beauty YouTube channel and she has a beautiful lifestyle and beauty blog at VivianaDoesMakeup.com. Over the last 100 plus episodes of The Lively Show, we have had dozens of bloggers on the show. And even in the intro, you hear me say the word blogcast instead of podcast. But I have not interviewed someone who is a vlogger, a video blogger about vlogging specifically. Though we've had Mimi Icon on the show as well, who is a very popular vlogger as well. We didn't discuss the YouTube thing so much. So I really wanted to have Anna share about her favorite makeup saves and splurges and all those good things in terms of the beauty stuff, but also wanted to hear her background about how she got into vlogging, what it takes, what tips we can use if we're looking to do it for fun or for business, and how we can make our own videos better. Let's go to the show. Anna, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm such a fangirl of your YouTube channel. (laughs) I cannot stop watching it. I watch it when I'm putting my makeup on. Sometimes I do my makeup with you and other times I'm eating breakfast and I'm obsessed with your favorite videos as well. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm obsessed like likewise with your podcast. I can't stop listening to it. (laughs) Oh man. Well, that makes me very happy to hear. So let's start with your background, Anna. How'd you get to where you are? God, this this is quite a question and I'm sure everybody says that. I have always loved makeup, always, always, always. Ever since I was a young girl, I was the one who was like begging my parents to take me into Claire's accessories. Do you have Claire's accessories in the US? Yes, I think I got my ears pierced there. Yeah, I did too. I got my ears pierced there. I was obsessed with like, you know, it was the Spice Girls, it was glitter eyeshadow and like bright pink lipstick. So I've always loved makeup. Um, but I've always been quite academic as well. I was quite like a good girl at school, like a bit of a boffin. What's a boffin? Boffin is like a clever clogs. That's probably another, another like Englishism. Um, Just like a, like really into their studies. Like a, like. Like a nerd? A nerd. Yes. A nerd. I was a massive nerd. Um, So when it came to deciding what I was going to do at university, I ended up doing psychology. So I did a bachelor of science in psychology. Um, But kind of halfway through, I realized that wasn't really the career path that I wanted to take. There was a lot of extra studies that came with it. And I was kind of quite happy just to go to university for for the three years. 
So while I was at uni, I discovered this whole online beauty blogging thing. There was only a few people making YouTube videos at the time. Um, Pixie Woo, I don't know if you follow them. No, I pretty much just follow you. And you've gotten me into Lisa Eldridge. Oh, yes. Lisa Eldridge, Tanya Burr. There was just like a couple of people who were making YouTube videos. And I just sort of discovered this little online world. And one day I was just procrastinating from my studies and thought, why not start a blog, kind of give it a go, like add my own voice into the conversation. And that was almost six years ago now. Really? That's the same time I started my blog, 2009? Oh, really? I feel like that was the time that a lot of people started. That was the time that it kind of started to become a little bit more mainstream and people sort of started to hear about it. So started my blog then, started my YouTube videos about six months later. I was still studying at the time, but procrastinating horribly with with my blog and obsessed with makeup spending all of my student loan at space in k and we have we call it boots but you would call it like cvs and target yes, i always think of when you say boots in your halls i'm always like okay that's like cvs here cvs yeah although cvs in my eyes is much better but i'm sure it's one of those the grass is greener type things when i graduated i ended up doing some internships in beauty pr because through my blog I discovered that there was this whole world of beauty PR that I didn't even know existed. I didn't even know what PR was when I kind of started to look into career options when I was younger. So I did some internships and that eventually led to a job for kind of what is the equivalent of what you guys have as Birchbox. Oh, really? What's it called? Yeah. Well, it's now actually Birchbox in the UK. Um, Birchbox bought out the company that I was working for. Um, So I ended up getting a job there and I was sort of doing editorial stuff. I was putting together their magazine, um, doing some online stuff for them, social media, blogger outreach. I did that for about a year full time. And all of this time I was still blogging. I think by this time I was blogging practically every day. I was doing videos, I think about once a week. Um, And then I managed to get a job that would let me go part time because the blog started to like pick up a bit of traction. I started to make a bit of money from it. And so I sort of thought, okay, let's try and find a part-time job so I can do a bit of half and half and like share the workload here. And I was working for a company that has now gone under, so it no longer exists, but it was just like an online beauty editorial company. I was writing for them. I was working there three days a week and then spending two days a week on my blog. And when my six month kind of trial period came up, uh, they said I either had to work there full time or not at all. At the time, I had just moved to London with my boyfriend. We were paying a silly amount of rent on a stupidly small flat in a not very nice area of town. So money was a bit kind of all over the place. Um, But there was just something inside of me. I just sort of had to take that risk. So yeah, four years ago, I sort of waved goodbye to a nice monthly salary that you know that's always going to be there and just decided to do my blog full time. Doing it full time, I understand blogging revenue and sponsorships on a sidebar. That stuff kind of makes sense for me and maybe for my listeners too that are more familiar with blogging than YouTube. If you had a pie, how would it be sliced with the different revenue that you do make? I'm just curious because I don't know how YouTubers do it. A big part is affiliates. And so, I, I mean, anyone can do this. You can sign up to one of the like affiliate agencies, reward style, affiliate window, anything like that. So someone buys a blusher that I've, I've linked to, I make a couple of pennies on that blusher. But when it's a few people, that, that amounts to quite a bit. Also with brand sponsorships. So I do a lot of stuff for like other people's channels. Sometimes people are make videos that they use for pre-roll before YouTube. Um, like, you know, when you go onto a YouTube video and there's a little advert before, I do a lot of stuff for that with brands. I've been able to work with some amazing brands like Burberry, 
um Estee, I know Estee Lauder <laughs> like crazy brands I can't believe I'm in this position where I'm getting to work with brands that I love I use every day I've done stuff with head and shoulders I have used head and shoulders for years there's it's in my bathroom right now it's what Mark uses every day to wash his hair it's so crazy um so that's quite a big chunk also advertising so advertising on my YouTube videos when people sort of click on my video and before they'll run an advert on the blog, there's display advertising. So there's there's quite a few slices of the pie. If you're not in the online world, people kind of can't get their head around that. Like my grandparents still have no idea <laughs> what I do, how I make money from it. It's, it's quite a strange thing to get your head around. My accountant, he has no idea as well. He's like, this whole thing <laughs> is just bizarre. But yeah, there's, there are quite a few slices to the pie. I've definitely seen the little ads before some videos and not even every video or sometimes there's a little lower thing. It kind of varies depending on the video. Yeah, I think YouTube, they only serve ads on like a a percentage of videos. So you're not even going to get one on every single video. Um, But the ones that are monetized and the ads that come up before my videos, I make like a really small percentage of money from. Yeah. Do you think this is something that's easy to do for people or is this more of a rare case scenario that you got to where you are? I think it takes a long time and I think that's what people forget is that I did this for a good kind of three years two three years where I was literally making like 10 pounds a month on it like not even that (laughs) I did it I think I did it for about a year and didn't make a penny but I was still blogging practically every single day like since I've started this it's it's been quite a constant thing for me I've never taken a day off I think I take Christmas day off Christmas day is like my day where I don't post but every other day I'm like posting constantly. So it takes it takes a long time to build up. But I don't think it's unheard of. It's actually in the UK, there's quite a lot of people that do do this full time. But it's the people who are very constant in their posting and are very like consistent with it. And also your videos, I just, I follow your videos pri- primarily. Oh, and I you. am just shocked by how beautiful and well done they are. And I'm sure oh, knowing you. how much the editing for my podcast takes 10 to 20 hours after each episode with my assistant and I, I no. can only imagine how long it's taking you to do your videos. I find the videos, like the blog posts, uh, the easier thing for me to do. You know, I can I can sit in my pajamas, although I don't like to do that. I'm trying to get out of, ever since I've been listening to Caroline's blog part, like Caroline's Unfancy <laughs> thing, I'm like, no, no, I must wear proper clothes. I can't do this in my pajamas. <laughs> But, you know, the fact that you can sit there, you can be in a cafe, you can be in a busy place and just write a blog post, take a picture, kind of done. The YouTube videos are kind of the harder part of what I do. But in a way, it's almost the bit I enjoy a bit more because it is a little bit more harder. It's a little bit more challenging. And the whole setup and the editing and how it looks is something that has come with time. Like, you should go on my channel. I still have my first ever video that I filmed. Was it with just your laptop or something? It was with a point and shoot that I don't really think could focus properly. I had it <laughs> balanced on a chair and I didn't know how to edit. So it's completely unedited. It's one take. And I did that for about a year or two, I think. I didn't have a MacBook, so I had no way. I think there's like Adobe that you can get on Windows, but I had no way of editing them. So if I messed up towards the end, I'd have to start all the way <laughs> from the beginning again. I've seen in some of your more recent videos, pictures from you as a uni student, as you would say. Yes. See, I'm learning yeah. my Britishism <laughs> from you and Mimi Icon. I love her YouTube channel. Oh, too. yeah. I, I want to live in London because I watch you guys' channels all the time. <laughs> so I want to hear about this makeup and how it's evolved over the years. So tell me about how your approach has changed over the years. So I think when I was younger, it was all like blue eyeshadow, 
posh spice inspired <laughs> lots of glitter kind of thing but as I got into it, I guess at uni that's where I really really got into makeup and for me there's we have this show over here called the only way is Essex I think I've seen it on Netflix or something yeah I've I've spoken to a few American people that have watched it and they love it they think it's hilarious um but it's very lots of people are very I want I don't want to say orange but very tan <laughs> very bronze <laughs> It's all about not even just one pair of um, false eyelashes, but two pairs. Like, Wait, this is sounding like the, what's the MTV? Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore. Yeah. Jersey Shore. <laughs> it's kind of our equivalent, I guess. And when that came out, everyone was very heavily inspired by it. It was very tight dresses and just a lot of makeup. And I feel like when I was at uni, that was the time that I was wearing a lot of makeup. You know, I was going on nights out. I don't normally club. I don't club these days. I don't go out dancing these days so I guess back then I just went for it you know smoky eyes I never used to do a bold lip I always used to do a very nude nude lip I'm not sure if you went through that phase as well where it's all like concealer lips do you put concealer on your lips <laughs> I, I'm not concealer but like mac myth I don't know if you've ever seen mac myth it basically is concealer for your lips oh. so okay so you went through this intense phase of dark eyes and light lips yeah, that, that was the thing. Lots of false eyelashes, lots of tan, lots of bronzer, and very, very, like, very pale lipsticks. Whereas, I guess <laughs> when I graduated, I realized that you don't need a full coverage foundation. Also, my skin was young and, and good back then. Why was I covering it with this crazy high coverage foundation? <laughs> now I'm much more into, like, natural, kind of barely there, very earthy tones. And I love red lipstick. And I never w- was into that before. Never was into that before. Yeah, one of the things I love is that, I, and I didn't know this from the YouTube makeup world until I started watching your channel and Lisa's, and you start without makeup on. Yes. Because at first I was like, it's so amazing to see the whole transformation as you put it on each layer by layer. Oh, I love it. When I started making YouTube videos, a lot of people would start with their foundation on or their concealer on, and people were a bit scared to kind of go the whole hog. And I guess I was too at first. But as I've got older, I just, I just don't care. Like I have a lot of days where I don't wear makeup anyway and so for me not wearing makeup is quite normal (laughs) I probably go like two or three days a week without putting anything on my face and I'm quite happy with that so yeah I think it's really important to show the before and after that's like part of the appeal really to me it totally is because otherwise I wouldn't see how good you are at makeup I love it just kind of curious for those of us listening for the first time what your thoughts are and what we should invest in and what we should save on Ooh. This is a really good question. Okay, for like budget, kind of what you guys would call drugstore. And I wish that we had a name for it over here, but we don't. We would just call it like high street kind of cheap bargain makeup. I would say mascaras are the best things to get from like L'Oreal, Maybelline. We have Max Factor over here, but I think it's called CoverGirl in America. Is that right? I don't know if they're the same, but I know both of those names. (laughs) They're owned by the same company, I think. So it's kind of similar formulas. But I would always say like mascara, lip products, kind of in a way like the color when it comes to makeup, you know, eyeshadows, blush, that kind of thing. I would say that's where you can save your money. But for base products, I would say that's where to kind of invest. So like Giorgio Armani do some amazing bases, Makeup Forever do some really good ones. So many brands in Space NK, like by Terry, Although when I came to America last, um, what's it called? What is that brand called? It Cosmetics. Oh, is that at Ulta? Yes. It's incredible. I wish we had it over here. Like everything that I bought from them was really, really, really good stuff. But I'd say that more like the base, kind of the concealers, the foundation and also skincare. 
that's where I like have a bit of a thing for luxury skincare. I'm really into skincare bloggers. Do you follow a lady called Caroline Hirons? No, maybe I need to be. Caroline Hirons is basically my personal skincare goddess. I message her and I'm like, <laughs> Caroline, is this good? Am I allowed to use it? She's absolutely great. Um, but yeah, I do like a good, I'd say skincare is where to kind of spend your money a little bit. What's your favorite thing? I'm really into the Kate Somerville line. Is there a specific few products that we should start with? The Nourish stuff is really good. I'm using the mist and the moisturizer at the moment. And also Estee Lauder. I really like their um, advanced night repair. That's just like a favorite that I've been using for years. And I'm currently using their EE cream. And I think people are really over the whole BBCC DD cream thing. And I understand it. But the EE cream is amazing. It's almost like a tinted moisturizer that just makes your skin glow like I look in the mirror after I put it on and I'm like I look 20 again this is great (laughs) stuff and so yeah I would really recommend that (laughs) when it comes to your blog because you also do vlogging you do lifestyle things you just did that great de-stress episode which I love because I loved your the rituals app I downloaded it this morning that's great isn't it 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 is I can't believe it's a makeup brand (laughs) and it's and it's free I love that the app is free it's great for everyone that wants to find uh, 5, 10, 15, or 20-minute meditations, I really liked it. Yeah, really, really good. Thank you for that. So you share other things in your life, and you've just moved. So you've shared your move, and you'll do vlogging, where it's kind of your whole life. Sarah of Cake Over Steak asked, where do you decide to draw the line between personal and private with what you share and what you don't share? I think that's a really interesting question. It's kind of one that I've struggled with personally myself because it's it's re- it is really hard to decide where that line is and last year I was vlogging practically weekly so that meant that three four days of a week I'd have my camera in my hand and vlogging what me and Mark got up to and it just started to feel a bit too much I don't know there was something inside that just told me that it wasn't a good idea to vlog that much of my life so now it's something that I do more like monthly, like once a month, once every two months, just to check in with people. I think people really like that connection. And I like having that connection with my viewers and my readers just to kind of have a more relaxed video where it's not so highly edited. It's not, you know, all the crazy lighting. It's me in my dressing gown talking about what I've done with my day and kind of just showing people what I get up to. But in terms of the line, I feel like you just have a feeling in your belly. (laughs) It's really hard to describe. There's just a feeling in your belly where you know, like, my sister got married. I didn't vlog or really blog any of that. It was just a private moment for me and my family kind of thing. You just sort of know. I don't. I can't really explain it. There's just something inside of you that's like, now is the time to put my phone away, put my camera away and just live in the moment. And this isn't something that I, I would blog. I don't, I don't tend to show my family members. And a lot of my friends, they're not friends that are into this. Obviously, I've got Lily, my, my friend Lily Pebble. She's massively into it. So always happy to get a camera out in front of her. She doesn't mind. But for a lot of my friends and family, they're not online. I've got um, people that work in quite professional environments and it wouldn't feel right to have them in my videos. So I kind of keep them out of it. And I just sort of show me and Mark and people that feel comfortable in front of the camera on my vlogs. What does your family think of all this? (laughs) Oh my God. When I first started and I was, I have, I, I remember actually my sister, I think was the first person who I showed. I'd blogged for about three three four months secretly no one knew and um, then I showed my sister and she was like oh my god Anna you have not been studying have you like you've spent all of your time (laughs) doing this Uh, which was very true Uh, and then obviously my parents were like okay cool this is a bit strange but 
you know, whatever floats your boat. Um, and obviously when I said, I think I'm going to quit my job to do this full time, they've been so supportive. Like I couldn't ask for anything more on that front. And my dad really helps me out with all the paperwork and the financial stuff behind it, which I'm really, really grateful for. And my mom, like she loves it. She gets loads of like free hand cream coming her way. So <laughs> she loves that. Um, but yeah, I feel like more of my elders, like my grandparents and stuff, they're very sweet and they ask questions about it and ask ask me like questions about makeup and stuff, which is really nice. But I'm pretty sure they still have no idea <laughs> what I actually do. <laughs> That's really funny. I have to ask, because this is something I struggle with too. And I'm sure everyone, whether they have a massive following you, like you or not, can struggle with. How do you handle drawing the line and putting the phone down when especially you have so many people probably clamoring for your attention every time you log in? I feel like this is something, especially over the last year or two, that I, I've really tried to improve at and get better at. And I feel like now I'm at a space where I'm actually quite good at it. And the key to me is having your phone on silent. There's almost like a timeout time in the evening when my boyfriend gets back from work. He gets back in the evening. And for me, that's like, OK, I'm not going to sit and browse Twitter. I'm not going to sit and browse YouTube videos. So I sort of have the morning for that when I'm getting ready and maybe you know when I'm cooking in the evening I like to sort of have some videos on and share stuff but you won't really find me tweeting or instagramming or answering emails late into the evening I'd say sort of six seven o'clock I have a bit of a time where I'm like okay that for me it's out of office like I feel like working from home you have to have that cut off time like you normally would if you're working in a more formal office so I, I do try to have the time that I like close my laptop and also, I've tried this new thing where I don't have my laptop in the bedroom. And that really helps me to switch off properly. I admire you. So during the day, though, are you constantly going in? Because there's probably so much feedback coming your way from all these different sources. During the day, I'm like on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. You just find a way to turn it off at night. In the yeah. During, during the working day, completely, that's fine. I'll have my hand, like my phone in my hand basically all the time. Um, but yeah, when it comes to evening, I really do like to kind of switch it on to silent. And I feel bad because sometimes I go back and I've got like 10 messages from my friends, but they know me. They know that I'm just getting around to replying and it's just because I've got it on silent. <laughs> because you are in London, is there a difference in the concept of being a professional blogger or vlogger in Europe versus the US? Do you have any thoughts on how it might vary or be different? Well, I've actually just moved. I don't live in London anymore. I do still live in the UK, <laughs> obviously. I've just moved closer uh, to the my friends and family and closer to the coast. That's a really interesting question. I've, I've spoken to people because I came to LA a couple of months ago and it, it seems that over there people are quite obsessed with European bloggers and vloggers whereas over here I won. <laughs> we're obsessed with US bloggers and vloggers it, it's sort of like a grass is greener type thing um I I'm really obsessed with like Jacqueline Hill um Nicole Guerrero I think her name is um, Nikki Tutorials, there's so many girls that I am obsessed with that aren't from Europe. So, but I'm not sure if there's a real difference in it. It feels like there's more girls in, in the US that are doing this as a full-time thing. And also who've been doing it for years and years and years and years. I feel like they almost got into it before we did. Um, but I'm not sure if there's like a real difference in terms of content. I feel like maybe there's almost looks better to me. It's like shinier and 
slicker and they have all this amazing <laughs> equipment that I'm like I need that microphone um but I just I love the aesthetic I love the makeup and the beauty over there also I feel like you guys have so much more available in terms of what you can get you've got Ulta you've got Target you've got Sephora like what we would do for a Sephora over here I'm just curious if there's any extra pressure from either side I don't know I'm not sure if there's any extra pressure I'm not sure that's that's what it is yeah I'm not I'm not sure about that I would love to share what your thoughts are for any of us that might want to, for fun or for business, dip our toe in the YouTube channel waters. So what are your three biggest tips for people just starting out? And then maybe a bonus tip for people that are already doing it to make it better. Oh, okay. This is this is really interesting. I find the YouTube thing really funny. And my dad had to film some videos for this job that he was doing the other day. And he was like, I don't know how you do this. Sitting and talking to a camera is the weirdest thing and it really is just talking to yourself in front of your camera the other day I had my blinds up and my neighbors could blatantly see what I was doing and all of a sudden I just felt like a bit self-conscious because it is a very bizarre thing so I think number one it is weird it is weird you'll get used to it and my tip for that would be record a load of videos like sit there and record 20 videos if you want but just keep practicing because it will get better and just because you've recorded it it doesn't mean that it needs to go online so you can just sit and kind of practice and just get better at it and actually it's something that will get better with time so record videos don't necessarily put them up but just practice with it number two make sure that you're talking about something that you really love to talk about because I feel like passion Passion in a blog post, you can kind of almost fake a bit. Passion in a YouTube video, you you can't fake. There's no faking for that like spark that talking about something that you really, really love gives you. So I think make sure that you're talking about something that you have a genuine passion for that you could talk about for hours and hours and hours. Number three, I might have to have a think about this one. Don't feel like you have to have crazy good equipment if you look back to anybody's first videos they would have been doing it on a point and shoot or just on their laptop on like a whatchamacallit like a laptop camera that's built in just don't feel like you have to be super fancy because if you're funny and you're engaging and you're talking about something that you love there'll be someone out there who also loves what you do and will want to watch it and I feel like for more of a bonus tip here's a question what should we upgrade first camera for sure I feel like a lot of cameras have good like good microphones in anyway I didn't get a microphone until maybe a year or two ago so you can definitely go without the microphone but a good camera I use the Canon 600D and I think it's absolutely incredible I've had it for about five years now and I haven't upgraded it touch wood nothing has ever gone wrong with it I think that's a really good camera and in terms of lighting natural lighting is is the best option if you can sit in front of a window during the day, that's all you really need. So I would say if you're looking to upgrade one thing, camera. Where is your microphone in your videos? Because you can't tell that it's there. Oh, really? It's it's on top of my camera. Oh, I see. Okay. So it's sitting in front yeah, of Yeah, I'm not fancy enough to have one of those like ones that clip on to, <laughs> to my top. <laughs> A boom yeah. mic on top of you. <laughs> no, not yet. I hope that helps anyone out there who is thinking about doing it. Is there anything that you notice people do wrong that could be so much better if they just change this one thing? A lot of people look into the monitor so on the 600d you've got like a little flip screen that comes out which is great because you can see yourself and you can see if you're in focus see if you're in the center of the screen but there's nothing worse than when someone is looking at that screen and it just takes their eyes like a couple of inches to the side and as a viewer when I'm watching I'm like please can you look at me (laughs) 
That's a great tip. What internal doubts or resistance are you currently facing in your life right now? Right now, I'm having a real problem with procrastination. I feel like that's something that probably a lot of people have. Like today, I just, I get in like swept into this wave of procrastination that mainly involves BuzzFeed and cat videos and like (laughs) the viral video of the day. And before, you know, I I watched a Dancing with the Stars clip this morning with Bindi Irwin on, which was really super beautiful and it did make me cry. Um, And I cry probably at least once a day at some kind of cute viral video. But I just feel this wave like coming over me where it just unfocuses me completely. And I find it really hard to get back into the swing of work and back into the swing of things. So I think what I'm trying to do when I have, when I kind of feel that happening, I just give myself like a bit of a break. I'm quite bad at just switching off and giving myself a break during the day, like a lunch break, just take a lunch break. So today when it happened, I just took 10 minutes out, had something to eat, had a drink and kind of came back and tried to put my phone down and tried not to open BuzzFeed. But I'm really bad at procrastinating. I really need to improve at that really badly. (laughs) What is something you would tell someone who is just starting out on this journey? I was actually talking to my boyfriend, Mark, today, and we were talking about our lives and like decisions that we made when we were younger. Because I feel, I'm not sure if it's the same in America, but here we have to make really big decisions about our life when we're like 16 and we're still kids and you have to decide what you want to go do at university. And it feels very big and very daunting. And I was kind of saying that I don't feel like I have too many regrets but I feel it's because I took risks and I feel like it's because I took the tough road sometimes I feel like sometimes and and quite often good things come when you take the tough road and you take sort of the the option where it's not as easy but I feel like sometimes that extra bit of hard work makes the results so much better that's beautiful Anna it has been a joy to chat with you today thank you thank you thank you oh thank you for having me this has been really fun I'm sure we could chat for much longer and there you have it thank you so much Anna for coming on the show and thank you for listening if you'd like to send Anna a message you can do so on Instagram her handle is at Viviana makeup and you can find me on Instagram Snapchat and Twitter at Jess C as in cat who books lively For today's show notes, head over to JessLively.com slash Anna Gardner. Before I share who's coming up next week on the show, I'd like to share a bit about why I'm so obsessed with today's sponsor, FreshBooks.com. As you may have heard on previous episodes, I've been using FreshBooks since 2012 for my bookkeeping and I haven't looked back. In the past, I was using a different software to track my business income expenses and invoicing and I hated using it. It was clunky, confusing, and when it didn't save the work I'd worked so hard to input, it was crazy frustrating. Eventually, I got so fed up that I started to look for a better program to use. I was joking with an accountant friend about how I wanted to find the Facebook for bookkeeping. I knew there had to be a program out there that was doing bookkeeping as well as the social media platforms out there. So then she told me about freshbooks.com and I have not looked back. If you are frustrated with your bookkeeping system right now, please, please, please go give FreshBooks a try. It cannot hurt to try. It's a free 30-day trial. You can get it by going over to freshbooks.com lively. And now for a sneak peek. Next week, we're speaking with Dylan D. Giovanni about his experience as a transgender person. 
We're going to go in depth about his journey as well as the things to say and not to say to a transgender person. There are a lot of specific terms and questions that are appropriate and are not appropriate. So this will hopefully be a very helpful episode for anyone like myself who was not really sure what is okay to say or ask and what is not. In addition, I love that Dylan goes in depth about what he believes the media is not fully most accurately representing when it comes to transgender communities in the media right now. It's a very hot subject, but we're going to go into the aspects that are not being portrayed in the way that Dylan believes would be most helpful. Until then, may something wonderful happen to you today. 